And we gave MCC a doing last year, which was fantastic. Egg and bacon, boys. <laughs> Honestly, it was, uh, I don't know what his proper name is, a guy they call Biscuits. They're fucking head caked. Get a tin hat on, get a tin hat on. <laughs> it's great, I've got my 90-minute Cynic badge, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Did you get a Ronnie Dyla badge sent to you? Yeah, I've got a few. Yeah, Spewing. I stuck mine on my golf bag, walking off the 18th, fucking lost it, didn't I? <laughs> Could they believe and it? Mine's on the mantelpiece, it's collecting dust, but it'll come out, <laughs> and it'll come out when we win 10 or over, so... To be fair, I haven't uh, walked around the golf for you, Hoggy. There could have been any amount of places that that bag has been in throughout 18 holes of golf. Zigzagging. Down the fairway. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on, Callum. We wanted someone with a bit of knowledge on grounds, a bit of knowledge on Scottish cricket, and you're the perfect candidate now that you've just stepped into your new role. Correct, yep. Not going to disagree with any of that. It's a nice intro. <laughs> I think I've been through the mill, that's it. I... <laughs> You've just recently started as the head groundsman, is that right, at Aberdeenshire? Taking over from Mr McCurdy? Yeah, I started on the 9th of March. The original plan was uh, I was going to take over from Ken and we were looking to have sort of handover period where we could kind of work on the things that I might not see because obviously I was seasonal before, so I didn't see what went on sort of outside of my hours where Ken never really switches off from it, which is is good in a way because he's always sort of got the place at, at the forefront of his mind, but also I think the, the work-life balance is a little bit different for a groundsman. Uh, the handover period obviously has been extended slightly <laughs> with the fact that he was due to be in Gran Canaria retired and I was supposed to be moved in and started and cricket would have, well, we would have had the first game of the season just Saturday passed so it's not really went the way we kind of planned it to be honest. How long have you been on the ground staff before of taking on the, the big job? So I had I've had three years seasonal with Aberdeenshire which I kind of just fell into it wasn't really a it's not something I've ever considered the reason I kind of took it on was they needed someone on the ground and I thought that's great it means I'm at the ground anyway it kind of kept me as close to cricket as possible whilst I was still playing and whilst I was still interested in playing so three years with them and I still do a good chunk back at Huntley when I get the chance um, I've had a reasonable enough sort of lead into it I've not kind of just been landed in it so it's good so there's not a groundsman at Huntley does everyone just chip in Basically down to Neil Nicol, who kind of is a jack of all trades at Huntley, does all the coaching and he basically has made sure that place is the kind of conveyor belt of cricketers that, that it does now, but he also works away on the ground, so we're in contact quite a bit with how you're getting on at Aberdeenshire, when you're doing this, when you're doing that, and that's quite nice. It's, it's handy for him, but also it's fine for me. I think Huntley's got a great little setup, so... Was that the first ground that you kind of paddled along as a youngster? Oh. Yeah, so I, I didn't pick up cricket till I was 15. So I picked up really late. So I was, I was always football, football, football. And basically I knew I was kind of at a crossroads in terms of football. I knew that it kind of wasn't going any further. There wasn't really any moment where I went, you know what, I'm going to go and play cricket. But 2005, I picked up cricket, which was probably the perfect time to do it because you had the ashes on TV. Um, right. And that was probably the first cricket I'd ever watched with any kind of actual interest. And if you don't get hooked on 2005 Ashes, then you're never going to get hooked on cricket. So <laughs> football's kind of, it's came back in the last couple of years. I've played a little bit of amateur stuff, but uh, ah, I wouldn't class myself as a as a footballer. I saw a Callum Howard hat trick actually recently. Ah, you did, oh, yeah. It was, against the, it was against the team that uh, Kenny Reid's assistant manager, so that was the, the winter. <laughs> um <laughs> 
So no, I, I picked it up really late, but it just from then on it was like the the sole focus. Mate, you must have picked it up quickly. So I remember when you were must have been sixteen, seventeen, being looking like a really good player. I think uh, I was involved in the seventeens quite early. I got picked up off. It certainly wasn't off scores because I hadn't scored more than thirty when I got picked for the seventeens. I think I was purely picked on the fact that I could bring a bat down straight a few times in innings. And um, I got my first fifty was for Scotland as opposed to for Huntley. I didn't really do anything for Huntley the first few years. I was purely there because carrying jumpers and batting at 11 and I was the one that was going to run after the ball and actually put an effort in in the field. I carried a lot of jumpers for that Huntley team. Who was in that setup with you then, Calm growing up like this, Scotland 17s and the 19s? Who was in those types of teams? Um, Probably the one that sticks out most was because he stayed in Inverurie, I sort of travelled to all the Scotland stuff with Richie, Richie Lamb. So I spent many a car trip with Ron Fleming all the way down to Edinburgh on a Sunday morning with Richie pretending to sleep all the way through so that I had talked to Ron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you wouldn't have been the first person to do that in Ron Fleming's car. He did some cricketers in his time. Yeah, yeah. He, he put in a fair shift to get us up and down there on a, on a Sunday. It was... Surprised Ron wasn't sleeping if you had to listen to Richie Lamb half the time. <laughs> I think he had uh, Blower's CDs on, so like Henry Blofeld that used to speak on TMS. So he just used to put that on for like eight hour round trips. So I, I probably picked up more cricket in that Sunday afternoon <laughs> than I did any other time. Wrong. So no, Richie, Richie sticks out. I think I kind of missed the, the sort of golden era, which was the likes of Hoggy and Calvin and Fraser and like that 19s group were sort of just above me and had kind of been in the system for that time. Ah, so that's a pretty good, it would have been a good side, that, that, that age group. Freddie Coleman and Paddy Sadler, they must have been about that age group yeah. as well. <laughs> I, I remember dropping one off Paddy against Leicestershire and he went up and it, the guy gloved it and, and he went up and I shelled it. I don't know how I managed to put it down, but I put it down. And it was one of those ones where they've turned to the umpire and they can't believe that it's not being given and not being given and, got, and he kept going and kept appealing. I'm going, oh God, he's going to turn around and see me in a second and see that I put it down. <laughs> I was like trying to get the ball away to like gully as quickly as possible. It wasn't all bad. <laughs> no, I'm sure it wasn't. Cam, where did Azar Ali come in uh, at Huntley? And were you still in there when he arrived? He, he came over originally in 1997. He was brought over as a leg spinner. He's been over, he's played seven seasons. A couple of the seasons were really rain affected. So there's a few years where he only played about six or seven games. And he was on the go when I sort of was making the fringes of the first team. So I was aware of him being there and being constantly at training and just constantly hitting balls and constantly working on his field. And, and although he originally came over as a, as a leg spinner, he, he scored runs straight from the off for us. He, he picked it up straight away. He used to bowl a bit of leg spin and then come back in the middle overs and bowl little in-duckers and away-duckers and basically no change of action. He used to get it to do do plenty. He was just one of those people that cricket seemed so easy to him. Quality bat. Yeah. 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 He, he had a was... couple of really, really solid seasons with us. Um, I did get to bat with him a few times, which was nice. It's a nice one to, to name drop, definitely. Ah, uh, for sure. How, how's, how's that move come about, Carl? Because spoke to Hoggy about it and we thought this was kind of the time where you wouldn't really go through an agency as such to, to bring an overseas in. So what was the link there with Azar? And- I don't know. I don't think he came through an agency, but I mean, he was plucked out by a couple of the players at the time. We didn't really have any link with that side of the world in terms of cricket. We used it a lot with Spud Murphy, who's based in the Sunshine Coast gets a lot of players over back and forth and he 
obviously had an agency and we've we've done a lot of work with him but i don't really know where where it kind of came about but obviously i'm very happy that it that it did work out worked out quite nicely for us it's an absolute find one of the best ever correct yeah especially when you bring him over as a spinner and he turns out to be a test number three Who were the sort of the big hitters in the in the Huntley team? Like we we rattled off a few names that we could think of. Yeah. I remember playing against Azar Ali, but he also had a good over yeah. a, a good amateur. But the boy Jeff Pereira, the left arm seamer. Yeah, yeah. Right. Jeff was um, a Sri Lankan guy, but he played all his cricket in Perth. Um, he he was outstanding. He was. You look at the pros across the Strathmore Union at that stage. He would have easily passed for a pro. He was very very talented, um, and he was a good laugh. Like off the field, the difference between Azar and him was was unbelievable. There was professional, and there was a professional clown. So, <laughs> wasn't the friendliest of bowlers either. I remember him bumping our fourteen-year-old, uh, and I think his I think his mum came on the park and uh, told him off. <laughs> no, he, he was competitive. He was he was very very competitive. Mm. I remember Huntley. We're always well up for it. Mike was the captain. He captained that team for probably about 10 years or so. Mike, on his day, was as, as good as anyone. He was incredibly, he was just destructive. He was originally a seamer, knackered his back at work, I think. And from then on, kind of spent more time on his bat. And he wasn't one to ever be sort of rattled by anything. He just did what he did and nobody questioned him because that's, that's what he did. That was the way he did it. So he, he, was a, he was an excellent player. I've been trying to get him back for years, trying to get him to come back and have a game. I always remember from Huntley, big scary ball guy who's massive and hit it really hard. And did Kenny Reid start at Huntley? Oh no, Keith Reid. Ah, Keithy. Keith, Keith plays down at Black Hole Cricket Club now. Oh, great spot. Useful. That's a yeah. great ground. Get a tour down there. Imagine, imagine Huntley CC away at Blackpool for a weekend. They, right? they there wouldn't be many go, coming back. <laughs> they used to go down. I don't know if there would be any survivors if we went down nowadays. <laughs> That is quality. Aye, so then you moved to Aberdeenshire. What, what year did you move to Aberdeenshire? 2013, I went to Aberdeenshire. Oh, that, I thought it was uh, a lot earlier than that. I actually had six games for Stonywood, maybe 2009 or 10. Mm. Just dip um, the toe in. Yeah, and I don't know if it was just, it was such a big thing moving from Huntley. I got myself injured and then I kind of realised I just wasn't really committed to it. Um, but I, I did have six pretty unsuccessful games there. You're not just getting stuck in a change room with Leesky for six games. Was that not just enough? <laughs> I saw I saw Leesky's first League hundred. I was that was a great day. But um, he's a good guy to learn off because well, he never shuts up, does he? So <laughs> <laughs> I, it was it was nice to have someone in the dressing room that was still kind of involved in the Scotland stuff at the same time as me. So he was always mad keen as well. Leesky, super talented, but he was probably always the one who put the most hours in. Imagine how many throwdowns his dad's given him. Yeah, absolutely. So he had yeah. so much energy. He was always going to make it to a certain level. Absolutely. Who got you? Who got you to Aberdeenshire? And who eventually twisted your arm and got you down the road? I originally spoke to Marker. So Neil McRae, he came and spoke to me. We spoke in a car park outside Huntley School. Basically, I'd finished coaching and we had a chat about it. And I, I talked it through with Neil Nicol Huntley, who'd coached me right through from being 15. So it was a big move because Huntley was everything up until that point. But Marker kind of talked me through it and spoke about what he saw for the team in the next couple of years. And spoken a little bit to Tyler at the same time because he was obviously in charge of the team. He would have gotten well with Maka though, because he loves batting, doesn't he? Batting all day, amongst he other doesn't... things. Like, but he. Yeah, he so doesn't say and just loves it doesn't he he doesn't say just a huge amount but like when he does he's different obviously different on a night out but like when he's <laughs> when he's talking cricket he's sort of a man of few words but when he does say something like it it's not just the cliche stuff that you, you get out of the dressing room like it, it was important 100%. and I, I remember the there's three or four games that we probably should have been dead and buried and it was just the the sort of calm that he brought to the dressing room but he didn't really do an awful awful lot he probably batted down at seven or eight but knowing that he was in the dressing 
dressing room just saying, right, guys, calm down. Like, we'll just knock him away and, and we'll squeeze out another wicket here or something. Like, he just had this sort of control over the dressing room without He would really have done his work anything. earlier in the day, yeah. He would, just have, he would just drop in a little one-liner to someone that you probably wouldn't yeah. even think about. Yeah. But it was just that little, that little gem. He's a brilliant he just, coach, Neil McRae. Like, he was just very, really, very calm. And when he when you wanted to work on something, he would go into the nets and he would have some, some slightly different ways of looking at things. But the majority of the time you would come out and he'd be like, oh no, it'll be fine. Like just go and hit some balls. You'll be all right. Don't think about it. And after that, no matter what you'd worked on, you kind of just were like, oh, well, Maca believes I can do it. Then that's fine. And you were did just you, back up to that level of confidence. Cam, did you find when, when you first moved there, like a big step up in terms of training and kind of standards? as opposed to what you were used to or what did- I think the way it was run when we when I first got involved there was quite a lot of changes in that first season Vensky came in at the same time Adrian Neil came in at the same time he's obviously from Nairn so we played against each other back sort of back up north however I had no idea he was moving there was no there was no discussion one way or the other but there was there was a good structure to the place because it was all kind of we were on grass nets which was a luxury basically um, and there was a good focus on the first team and what our target were for the year and that sort of goal setting and that plan wasn't really something that I'd ever talked about we'd ever had at Huntley it was involved it was there when it was the Cricket Scotland stuff if it was the the youth teams and things I mean that was four or five times a season whereas every week we were sat in on a Thursday night of training going right okay well what do Watsonians have we need to go and work against that what do what what are Forfisher going to bring on Saturday what kind of plan do we need for that and I think that the players were far more happy to take it on themselves that they had to come up with these answers rather than being told by Maka or by whoever else or by Tyler or so th- there was a good structure and I think everyone wants to get something out of training but what I noticed most was we trained for a couple of hours and it was it was short and sharp and it was focused and then if you wanted to mess around you could mess around afterwards like beforehand there was a bit of chatting but afterwards a bit of chatting that's fine but the two hours that we were there or the hour and a half we were there it was just focused on Saturday just shows you what one person can do I'm sure the players you would all take it seriously but if Maka wasn't there just putting everything in place you would have just been yeah. like any other club team, you know, yeah. have a net, hit some balls and then away you go. But he got you to think about it a little bit more. Which- and I think he's mm-hmm. gone, has he gone Germany and then Jersey? And Jersey had a couple of right good results in the T20 World Cup qualifiers as well. I don't think they were too far from the shake-up at the end of it, so... He didn't I go to Germany. Th- no, that was I not Jersey, not. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe he's, he's, oh, I think he had some. Right. He had somewhere was, before he went to Jersey. Austria, definitely. It was Austria. Austria, yeah. It was yeah, man. That's an great. awful big job for Maka, isn't it? That's oh. a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you um, Did you win the league the following season? Then 2014. I don't know. You, you guys, you guys can look up the stats, but um, I think it was twenty. I think it was twenty fourteen. It certainly feels like a while ago. That's you finished Aberdeen then. So you, you've gone back to Huntley, or are you going to stay at Aberdeen and get them back into the national league? I struggle a bit with injury like batting doesn't particularly go very well with me I've got a couple of neck problems which can't seem to get clear of just now and that kind of speeded up the decision to be like right I'm not, I've had enough of, of National League cricket for just now I, I didn't knew that sorry to hear that I didn't realise oh, it's, it's nice to have something to blame on um, <laughs> I've always... the right man there Cal. <laughs> <laughs> I've always <laughs> now he's fucking some player so was <laughs> <laughs> oh, I busted my knee, right? <laughs> We're all going pro, right? Um, no, I, I've always went back in the winter and coached at Huntley. I've, I've never stopped coaching at Huntley and been involved in working with the juniors there. But no, I, I wouldn't say I miss it, put it that way, just no. now. No, not at all. 
good you've gone back to Huntley. Is there many? Is there a decent youth system there? Have you got boys going into the schools, or where do you get your players from? Um, well, Neil, as I said before, kind of runs the, the junior section. What what they're probably best at just now is recruiting girls cricketers. Neil coaches in the schools, and he also does a lot of work up in Murray as well. So although we're mm. kind of sh- Huntley's kind of sharing them with Murray Council just now, he's bringing in cricketers to teams in Murray as well. But for Huntley, we we've got a really really good crop of girls cricketers just now. We've got. That's, a, uh, sorry, Cam. I was got. I had her written down. Kirsty Gordon. Yep. Is she one of those? Yeah, she came. She came through right from basically not having played cricket before. So she was the first. I think the first female player that we had that came through that got to a sort of national level. We've probably had about eight or nine since then that have played in either regional or have been along at Scotland trials and we had Elsa Lister who's playing at Stonywood Dice now who I think will probably be as good a keeper as I think you'll see and there just seems to be quite an easy setup for them to come into at Huntley you, you're getting groups of them rather than the, the, the side, decide to have a go but um, no Kirsty did incredibly well to go and make a test debut and she's obviously still involved in I think she was in a part of the 100 this year which has obviously been postponed yeah she definitely she'll, was yeah. she'll do um, she'll do quite nicely at a county until hopefully she gets another the go in the England setup. Yeah. No, I remember you mentioning Girl Lister, Lister. as a keeper, yeah. yeah. When she yeah. was playing for Dice, was she? Yeah, me and my brother yeah, went to see uh, Dice against uh, Aberdeenshire in the, yeah. I think it was a Murgatroyd evening game. I think it was her first team debut potentially. That would be her first team debut, yeah. And yeah, kept really, really well. And it was like yeah. just her feet, her feet and movement behind the stumps was really natural. It was, uh, it was yeah. yeah, very impressed, I must admit. Standing up to the stumps, she's she's excellent. Really, really good. She works really, really hard on it. Obviously, I only saw her up. She's obviously at Stonywood now, so I don't know what kind of work she's doing on it. But given her attitude, I think she'll be working just as hard as ever. And I think she'll, I think she'll have a pretty bright future I don't know whether that'll involve going down south to, to university and, and maybe getting an opportunity mm. down there but yeah I think she's she's a real bright bright spark for the area that's definitely the way to go if you're a girl or a boy get down south those MCCU setups are yeah. class you know just gives you gives you the time to, to dedicate to it if you go straight out of school into full time work it's yeah. pretty hard to spend hours and hours on end grooving your technique and working on your fitness and stuff so brings us pretty much to current day now Calum I just wanted to kind of pick your brains on the season going forward firstly what's your opinion on if we'll even get any cricket played this calendar year what's your thoughts on that in Scotland I should probably do an on the record and off the record here but um, <laughs> I, I think Callum everything's independent and unofficial on here you can say whatever say what you like mate it's definitely not the uh, the opinion of my employer just to clarify <laughs> I'll just say, as long as I say allegedly afterwards, we'll be fine. <laughs> so I would, I think, probably going to be quite difficult to have any sort of meaningful cricket this year. I think just the timelines that the government are giving us just week to week, it, it doesn't look like we're going to get anywhere near that, which is obviously really disappointing. And in a year where we would have had the 100, which there was a bit of hype about, but in terms of club cricket, I, I can't see it, which is incredibly disappointing from my point of view. I would have loved to have got going and in the right way and got straight into it. And kind of got settled in when do you actually start your job as as the head groundsman? When's Ken away to Gran Canaria? Take his take his um, motorbike with him. No, he's he's sold the motorbike. I think he's basically he? sold everything he owns apart from his car. So <laughs> um, he was he was due to fly out in. I think he was due to retire around March April time. So because of the lockdown, he's not made it out. So that also means he's not out of the flat, which I'm keen to get my PlayStation set up in. To be honest, so I mean I have started. I'm not furloughed just now, which is nice because yeah, it good. means it's. 
it gives us a handover period that I might not have had previously. I know that Ken's always on the end of a phone call if I need him, but it's nice to have him on site just in case there's something that I need to kind of check over. But really, it's a bizarre little period because it's totally new to him as well. What's happening yes. is mm-hmm. um, we've had, weather-wise, we've had a great lead-in. We would have been a little, you never really want to say it as a groundsman, but we would have been a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of starting the season. Do you reckon that's so, a good for the grounds? So obviously, if we get good weather, there's not really much play. Is that good for a square where you're getting all that nice weather? You can prepare it and manicure it, get the grass back to where it should be after all the years of sort of wear and tear? What we we had obviously internationals quite late on last year in August. We had six six yeah. internationals in 14 days or 16 days I think it was which wore the square down it, it, it got pretty heavy use to be fair and although we still covering from that now that was fucking ages ago <laughs> The grass, the grass hasn't came back as perfectly as we would have liked. Um, you are, you are son of Ken. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we've been able to spend a little bit more time on it just now. We've, we would have had our normal pre-season role in the whole. We would have got the ground ready for, for the league. But it's been so dry. We've had the sprinkles out in the middle of April, which is probably unheard of in Scottish cricket. So it, it's given us a different, different set of problems. In terms of the outfield, it's, it's nice because you haven't got players ripping it up playing football. But the, the square in terms of pitch. <laughs> by pitch really son of Ken son of Ken <laughs> I know be away from get that ball on the square I can't stand football just it's not for me <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even want to take part in it when I was doing it as a warm up so it just wasn't on other grounds yeah but knowing that I had to come in on the Monday and clear up all the marks I was like nah I'm, I'm quite happy a little bit of handball is fine pitch by pitch like with them not being played on it's probably worse for the pitch right. pitches is they're prepared to be used and they're rolled and they're, they're cut and they're, they're looked after to the stage that we want them to be used and, and what that does is it kind of naturally brings out any dead material in that throughout the season but I don't know really how it will affect the pitches next year what I know we'll have the same preparation as before and for the most part we'll probably have a pretty similar renovation period at the end of the season just to, to reinforce the, the grass and the turf that's already there really it's kind of kind of like a lost year in terms of the square because that, that's what it's there for and until we get the heads up one way or the other we can't we can't really do anything other than make sure it's it's as ready to go. I mean, we're looking at July as the kind of cut-off period for the ECB just now, which I would think Cricket Scotland will probably do something similar with. Um, so I'm kind of still, I'm still hopeful for cricket if it comes into August, but I don't, I wouldn't say I expect it now. So it's just a case of keeping keeping things going and, and looking after everything just as is, really. Um, we don't want to let it go. If you, you let things go on a the ground, then it, it costs you more to bring it back the next year and it might not come back as good. So the important thing that we've had from the committee and from the club is that we want to keep the ground going as if it's a normal cricket season. Yeah. So would you, Carl, would you still be preparing a wicket as such? Are you still cutting wickets? And if you were to give advice to if like a groundsman's listening in, let's just say from a smaller club like like South Huntley, for example, what would, what should they be doing to just kind of main, maintain the ground? Because obviously it doesn't look like it's going to be played on anything. So. Yeah, well, what, we, what we've been doing is we've been working down the outfield the same as normal we're cutting a little bit higher than we normally would we'd usually go down to 15 or maybe 12 just to improve the ball speed but we're up at 19 just now it doesn't really scare the grass it doesn't doesn't panic because it's getting chopped but also it leaves a great stripe which is good for the, the one or two walkers that manage to make it into the place yeah it's great for an Instagram so in terms of the outfield it's just a case of keeping it going and we're at the stage now where we're, we're going to spray it and give it a bit of fertilizer to give it a kick green it up and, and sort of help out the, the grass that's in 
there just now because of the drainage we put in in 2016 you'll have played no doubt at Manifield and seen the drain lines and in terms of the square it's it's just been a case of keeping it as clean as possible we got in a certain amount of pre-season rolling just about as similar as last year and as I say we had to come off it because it, it was solid the, the, the square kind of got to where we wanted to get to it quite quickly and it's, it's just been a case of cutting it again not too short that it panics and a lot of vertical and just cutting out the dead material a lot of brushing and cutting basically just what you would do to just the same as a haircut keep <laughs> keep a uh, keep it going quite nicely yeah um not really anything different than normal we're not cutting down pitches or anything like that we're not we're not stressing the grass the worst thing that people could see this as is an opportunity to go all right okay well we don't need to do work on the ground we can we can put it off for a year or we don't need to spend that money on fertilizer or we don't need to spend that money on getting this done because it is going to go backwards very quickly and it takes time to bring that back Oh, well, you got plenty of excuses in there, Callum. So uh, <laughs> what we're to expect is another fucking slow, low, dry wicket at Manafield. <laughs> and we do start playing cricket again. <laughs> you'll, be getting it, you'll be getting in the ear this time, Callum. Callum, would you uh, want to have an assistant when you start? Have you been eyeing up any young lads to help you out? Do you want to reword that? Or... <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'd like to, I'd like to have a gardener. Uh, if I was going to have a, an assistant, the, the tradition at Manifield has always been to take on a cricketer, which was lucky for me. And I also think it's it's easier to teach someone who's not got the cricket background because they come in with an idea of what it should be because of the way that they got told it played on Saturday or what it played like in the nets on Tuesday. What about the boy Musgrave as an assistant? He must like to get his hands dirty. Um, I think he's probably got his hands probably full with that Arbroath changing room, is it not? Um, <laughs> No, we had. If if I had to pick someone to take back the the amateur we had last year was brilliant. We had Cal McCannis last year. He just he picked up everything really really quickly. He would be a perfect perfect assistant. Yeah, um, <coughs> must admit from doing the training and nets and stuff, Mark is a really he's spot on there. Uh, below, I think yeah. sure he'd, be yeah. a, he'd be a good addition to any kind of role. Yeah, he was a good lad. He liked to he liked to chirp on the field, didn't he? And he was a he was a handy player. He was a good bowler. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that I obviously spent a good amount of time with him with being on the ground and he was obviously on the ground staff at the internationals, but I'm a little bit disappointed that I didn't get to play alongside him actually. I think he was a good guy to have in the team, definitely. So he was, was he planning on coming back this year? Or is I don't think he had it in his plans for this no. year, no. He's back He's back in New Zealand. They had a little bit of a lockdown, so I chatted away to him a little bit, but I, yeah, I would, I would spend the money and take it back, no problem. Thank you for your time, Mr. Howard. It's been very good. It's been it's been a learning experience for us both, isn't it, Hog? I know. I actually thought it was going to be the perfect situation for a ground, but obviously you've just in that theory. Uh, it's not. It's not still ideal. going to be shite every week. <laughs> at the at the end of the day, it's it's there for the cricket, and if there's no cricket, it kind of leaves us at a. It's kind of it's difficult to have an end goal. I, I'd much prefer if there was there was cricket on it and and seeing what the work that's going in is is producing on a Saturday and a Sunday. But at the moment, then it's just a waiting game, and hopefully we can get something further down the line. It crossed my mind about looking for kind of washed up ex player um, who would be doing nothing much on a Saturday and Sunday. And I thought, you know, that could be ideal for someone like Matty Parker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the assistant job's open, isn't it? That's him. I will warn you, though, my girlfriend's dad gave me a shot of his hedge trimmer and he said, whatever you do, do not cut the wire. And obviously, don't worry, of course I'm not going to cut the wire. I must have cut about a metre and then <laughs> there it went, gone. Just clipped it yeah. ever so slightly, gone. <laughs> No, if my job interview for the the job at Manifield 
involve a practical viewing of the back garden that I have at the house just now, I, I would have been way out the door pretty quick. So <laughs> I've, I've been tackling that in my spare time just now, and it's, it's not pretty, I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's like a jungle, man. <laughs> right, so we're going to finish up, Callum, mm-hmm. by doing some power play questions. They're just little quick, quick questions, one or the other. So I'll I'll start off. Right, red ball or white ball, Callum? Uh, red. Ooh. Shower with the boys or a Dundee shower? Dundee. Oh, <laughs> Ian Latta or Ian Leask? Wow, I don't know. I, I mean, the two of them, I don't know. I, I probably couldn't split them. You got to give us one, Callum. Can I dodge the question? Uh, oh, Latta, because I there worked with him more. Alexa. People's Park or Duthie Park? I'm not sure I've ever played at Duthie Park. Proper jet there. Pretty similar to Manifield no. the last few years, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably have to be People's Park. There's nothing better than trying to take strike in the howling wind and a plane going over your head. Pint sesh or nip sesh? Nips. It looks like a fair selection you've got behind you there, Callum. This, this is a whiskey This is a whiskey corner. This, yeah. Oh, why? Big fan of whiskeys, aren't you? I've got a bit of a collection going, yeah. It's tempting not to crack a few just now, to be honest. There's been a few quiet nights that I've thought, well, <laughs> I, could just, I could just open one of these nice ones. But no, I've got a bit of a collection. I've got a bit of an interest in it. So. Cricket bat addiction or freshly cut outfield addiction? <laughs> A few years ago, you might have got a different answer. Um, I don't know. No, I've still, I've still got a thing for my cricket bats. I still, still keep an eye out for something good, even though I don't use them very often. I still, still probably pick it, pick out a good, good cricket bat. Yeah, that's how I remembered players. I was better at picking them off their gear than I was at picking them off their technique or who they were. To be honest, I just noticed whether he'd got a new stick or not. <laughs> Calvin Burnett or Fraser Burnett? Calvin. Fraser sprayed me once when he was bowling. And I only played one game for the 19s. I nicked off for nothing. Calvin gave me abuse from mid-off because I threw the ball. No, sorry. Fraser gave me abuse from mid-off because I'd thrown the ball back to him as a bowler and it went like a couple of yards behind him. And he had to like stretch out and get it. And he wasn't very happy about that. So it'd probably have to be Calvin, yeah. But in terms of, uh, in terms of who I'd like to play against, I'd stand and watch Fraser bat all day. Very, very classy bat. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only question I'll accept neither for, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, lads. Here's one for you, which is topical. Warm-up football or warm-up rugby? Uh, to be honest, I don't really believe in warm-ups, but I'd probably have to lean for warm-up rugby. Oh. Less, tasking, less tasking on the outfield. Son of Ken. Mike Massey or Mike Lowe? Massey, absolutely. Oh, that was a quick answer. Yeah, well, we originally brought Mike Lowe was originally a Huntley player and he disappeared off was the he? dice and that's been him since. So. Took the money, did he? Well, I can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Mike Lowe has got a few decent batsmen in his time, hasn't he, Hog? <laughs> He's got me too. Let's <laughs> see. Yeah, oh. Horrible stuff. Uh, Neil McRae or David Cox? Maka, because he's a, just a batting nerd. Rain card or an early night? Latterly, probably a rain card because I started to feel like it didn't really make any difference what I did on the night before. <laughs> like, I, there was a good chance I was going to be making a cup of tea by five past twelve, so <laughs> might as well have 17 beers on the Friday night. So. Sometimes that's the best way. A few drams, half a bottle. <laughs> Reese's ice cream or Mackey's ice cream? Uh, I had to give a shout out to Donald Morrison for Rizza's ice cream, which is Huntley based. I'm sure you already knew that, but yeah, <laughs> I always tell him I prefer Mackey's, but um, yeah, it probably, probably have to be Rizza's out of the out of that. I'm just going to add an extra category if that's all right. <laughs> Celtic or Rangers? Come on, Celtic. <laughs> the first correct answer. <laughs> Chris Soul bumper or Jeff Perara bumper? Um, the only one I've ever seen is a Jeff Pereira bumper. So. 
<laughs> I'm still looking for the Chris Soul one. I'm not <laughs> he would bowl a horrible bumper, I bet, with that, just that 15 degree angle. And, no, just, and no more. The, fir- the first it ball was back nice. of a length and it, it was nicely outside off and it kind of went past me. Oh, yeah, that's probably, probably pretty sharp. And the second ball I didn't see until it was about five centimetres in front of my face. That wasn't a very nice afternoon. I probably spent about three weeks trying to chew food in a different way like it was brutal especially by Chris so because he bowls a, bowls a heavy bar mm. but, but Chris when you are up at Abdullah and you do get a chance <laughs> make sure you, you let the hammer go <laughs> Jesus right Manafield's um, bar after a win Callum or the Huntley bar after a win oh Huntley bar straight away what's that like a bit cheaper up there is it it's, yeah, it's a good bit cheaper I think it's probably one of the cheapest places in Huntley at Huntley bar you'd probably still get away with kicking about in your whites I don't know if that would be allowed in the Manafield bar definitely not there'd be a few there'd be a few furrowed brows looking at you as you come in the door in your whites at Mano definitely no it's it's a Huntley bar for me every time here's a big one Grange ODI or Mano ODI uh, I don't really remember anything about the last ODI I was at a Grange because the bar was quite close to us. It was a good day. It was a cracking day. You couldn't have asked for a better day. In terms of where I would want it, I'd want it at Manafield. If I could get the day off, I'd go to Grange, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Lachlan's Park or Lochside Park? I always felt like Lochside had the longest boundaries in history. Uh, or, uh, no, I'd play at Arbroath any day of the week. Probably lost the ball in the outfield at Lochside Park. No. Whoa, come on, <laughs> boys, boys. I played I played at Lochside last year. Played at Lochside last year for the for the umpires team I got roped in as a bit of a ringer, they reckon. And and it was it was nice to be back there because I think the time before I was there I got done by a left arm spinner's quicker ball, which I still haven't seen. <laughs> He's done me twice with it. Done me twice with it. So how can you get out to that? He's only got two bars. Yeah, well. Must have been dark or something, Carl. Must have been the light was fading or something. Done me in a pre-season friendly for fourths, and as I was walking off, he went, "Yeah, Cal, that was a quicker ball." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Imagine sending someone off in a friendly." I know, I know that. Is That's when you know that you're clutching at wicket. Yeah. Oh, I can't take them all, leaving the ones in training. Mister Howard, fitness chef or naked chef? <laughs> fitness chef, Scobby Tomo. Yes. Have you seen much of Tomo lately? Uh, bits and pieces. He pops into the gym now and again, but not not as much as usual. We usually try and. Uh, Try and catch up now and again. I'd much prefer if he was out there playing, but I think that ship sailed. So. Yeah. If he's listening, we're trying to get hold of you, Tom, so answer your... Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he's, left you on, uh, he's left you on red, has he? Yeah, he's left us hanging. Yeah, I know. I was well aware he told me. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I know I'm down the list there. <laughs> that is true as well. Honestly, I'm going to get him on here and we'll have him. Anyway, thank you very much, Carl. Thank you for your time. It's been top-notch to speak to you. We've really enjoyed it. Mate. Superb. Thank you very much, boys. But no, it was good to Callum to come on and tell us all about the grounds and, and what's needed to be done. Absolutely. Keep them in good condition. I, to be honest, I wondered how much kind of knowledge uh, Callum would have about the actual kind of, um, kind of conditions and growing and what you kind of need to look out for as a groundsman, having only just kind of got into it. But obviously, he is. He's pretty clued up and he, he, spoke, he spoke well. So I, I hope everything uh, is still going well this summer for... Uh, Callum up at the Manifield. Yeah, well, obviously, taken over from Ken, super experienced and done a great job up there for years and years. So he's obviously, he's, he's learnt from the best. But um, yeah, we should probably thank Ken for all of his services to, to Aberdeenshire and to Scottish cricket because he's turned that ground into an ODI ground. It is one of the best grounds in Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll have uh, celebrated and given them a good send off at, at uh, Aberdeenshire, and hopefully Cricket Scotland or some of the governing bodies will, will kind of mark that with some kind of some kind of award or acknowledgement. Anyway, but yeah, that place is, uh, has been a kind of mainstay of the last kind of twenty years uh, cricket in the northeast. Um, certainly, the earlier part of the two thousand two thousand ten, that, that place was going some of them. And unfortunately, whatever happened to their square. But um, yeah, I think we can see ourselves, mate, from from our time to playing there. And that, like, big shout out to Aberdeen uh, for allowing us to train there when we've been at Forfarshire and our growth. Um, Ken has always been there. Eh? Yeah, he was always there working. Whenever we'd go down on a Tuesday afternoon when I was off uni and you were on shifts, yeah, it was it was perfect. Really good of them to let us train there and. Ken probably won't listen to this, but if he is listening to it in some boozer in Gran Canaria, enjoy <laughs> your retirement, pal. It's, uh, it was a pleasure playing cricket at your ground, and you've it seems like you've passed it on to a good lad in Calm Howard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, COVID quiz then. So. Yes, mate. COVID quiz. We'll get into this. It's only a quick quiz, just to get some people and get some people involved, and with. Uh, it's a time of year for quizzes with uh, everything that's going on. I'm sure everyone's been quizzing a lot, but maybe not, maybe not on Scottish cricket. And if you have fair play, but I've not, I've not answered one question on Scottish cricket yet. So how have you, how have you been doing your uh, quizzes? Uh, I believe Arbroath had one on Saturday. Oh, how'd you go? I, I don't even know where I finished because I had a score written down that I thought I'd got, but I never really got called out. So I must have been middle of the road. I wasn't down at the bottom, but I was, I was certainly wasn't near the top. I can't remember who won. A bit like Arbroath, that, isn't it? Maybe Jack won. <laughs> yeah. No, not the best of seasons last year. Have you been quizzing as well? Yeah, well, it's kind of run out of steam. Uh, to start with, when all the lockdown came around, uh, I had a bunch of pals that were doing the one kind of every night or every second night, but yeah, we've not had one in a few weeks, so yeah, I might need to, might need to get one going again. I thought my football knowledge would, would keep me going, but I... I took part in a football quiz and I, it was out of fifty and I got single figures, so I totally, Oof. totally got all that, got Bond that wrong. Me. Ah, it, was, it was tough though. I think the the winner won with like thirty two points, so it uh, was it was a, it was a tough quiz. Yeah, high bar set. Aye. right. So our quiz will not be that hard. No. So um, are you want to go for the first two? Well, you I'll, actually, I'll go. The, I'll go the first question. You go the second, and we'll work it from there. Okay, that's fair. So number one, question number one is I've called Shedden Park, Ibrox Park, Easter Road, Old Trafford and Kirkhill my home ground during my sporting career. That is question one. Question number two is I've scored most of my runs at Grange Loan and most of my tries at Murrayfield. Who am I? Question number three. I was raised in Rockhampton, Australia. I opened the bowling for Scotland at the 2007 World Cup in the West Indies and then I became head groundsman at one of Scotland's best grounds. And I remember it because the, the wicket there when he was there was top, top. It was a serious day. Yeah. I, uh, 2013, I played there. Would he have been the groundsman then, Hawk? He wasn't playing. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, it was but good certainly, certainly for... He was, he was the groundsman there for at least three seasons and... I would have said in those three seasons it was the best wicket in Scotland at the time. Is that right? Serious, that yeah, right? serious wicket. 
that guy would have uh, liked to bowl on that, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, question four. I won a Scottish under-15s cup with Aberdeenshire, and I also won an English FA, so an English football FA cup with Wigan. And final question, question number five, is I speak Gaelic. I have opened the batting and the bowling during my Scotland career, but I made my first team league debut batting number 11 for Drumpelier CC. Who am I? Answer all five questions correctly. If you DM us on Twitter or Instagram, your answers, or if you've not got any of those platforms, send us an email to halfway up middle at outlook.com with your answers and also share our podcast on some sort of social media platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever way, just so we can see that you've shared it somehow. So get all the questions right, share it on social media and um, you'll be in with a chance of winning some half up middle merch. Yes. Limited edition merchandise. There are only 10 of these made. So it's a really sought after prize, Hoggy. Tell, tell the sports fans what you've got them. For the fan of the hot drink, it's the only way. And we thought, well, let's keep it simple and we'll get some mugs. Get the mugs in. So for a chance to win a halfway up middle mug. The first ever. The first ever. Answer these questions correctly. Send us an email or private messages with your answers and give us a share on social media and we'll post out your winnings. Yes. Right. Happy days. See see you next week, Liam. <laughs> yes, mate. See you next week. Thanks for that. And thanks for Callum Howard and a big shout out to Ken McCurdy in Gran Canaria on a pizza tropical. Is that a good drop, is it? Oh, mate. Perfect. Holy dear.